Hello, listeners of the ASI Podcast. Welcome back. I am back in the saddle again. That's uh, Soundgarden Rusty Cage. Uh, moment of silence for Chris Cornell. I know. Another uh, Seattle son uh, who was lost to depression and suicide. It's, uh, it's tragic. What happened with Chris Cornell, uh, Kurt Cobain, uh, Seattle Suns, right? And these are famous Seattle Suns. I would consider myself a Seattle Sun as well. Uh, more than that, I'm a son of the creator who created this area and learning to live in the gray in the rain, uh, myself, has not been easy. I'll be honest, sometimes it is, it is a, this is a difficult place to live because of the weather and because of the gloom. But there's a lot of creativity that comes out of this place. We are a very artsy culture, and I do dig that about this area. But again, the, the, what we call sad seasonal affective disorder, especially in the winter, it's a thing, man. It's real. On the other podcast, Punk Theology, we actually did a show about that, and uh, I talked pretty candidly about some of my own issues with depression and how how I've worked through some of that. Because I am not a depressed guy today. I'm, uh, I'm much more happy. I have much more... A uh, sense of well-being. I'm probably the brokest I've been in a very long time as far as money is concerned, but I'm hopeful, all right? And it's not, it, right, money doesn't make you happy and or sad, I've realized. Yes, life is more stressful, and it can feel a lot harder, but the graces and the gratitude that springs up out of me today and so, yeah, uh, punktheology.com, if you want to check out that episode, I talk about some of, uh, you know, not how to, like, this is just my story, uh, I'm, a, I'm a me too guy when it comes to depression, alright, um, and today I don't, I don't feel that way, I haven't felt that way for, for a long time, I'm, I'm grateful for my life today, and like I said, I'm even grateful for heavy traffic where I get to go ahead and record and talk to you guys, right, on the ASI podcast. I've missed you. I have. Today on the podcast, though, I'm excited to have, again, return guest Mark Azule on the podcast. This guy, he's a psychotherapist in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, he's a marketing coach, and he's the president of CGPS, uh, COGABUS, <laughs> I don't know, it's an acronym, it stands for uh, Colorado Group Psychotherapy Society, promoting group psychotherapy in the Rocky Mountains and in the inner mountain west. So, uh, Mark talks a little bit more about that here in this uh, conversation, but I'm, again, I'm honored to have him on the podcast, and 
I, I also wanted to say here as well that if you're listening to this show, my approach to something like sexual addiction, all right, uh, whatever the new buzzword is today, right, whatever, uh, you know, because you're not supposed to say that, Russ, sexual addiction isn't a thing, haven't you heard? Okay, well, you know, pick your fancy popular phrase of the day. Is it, is it compulsive behavior? Is it, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't keep up, man. I can't, if you have an issue, the thing is, is that people do change, all right? I'm living proof. I used to be, I used to be a drug addict and a a massive alcoholic. Now I'm only a slight alcoholic. (laughs) No, that's a joke. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm making myself laugh here today. Um, My point is, that people do change, all right? I'm no longer drinking myself unconscious. I don't go to jail as often, all right? I haven't been to jail in, in 30 years, all right? I'm not, I'm not getting arrested for bad behavior stuff like I used to. I used to be a very reckless person. Um, I, was, I have never been arrested for anything as far as sexual addiction is concerned, but that was a lot of uh, maybe good luck on my part because I was involved in... Um, uh, soliciting prostitutes and really risky behavior like that. So I'm not that guy anymore. I'm just not. And it's not because I knuckled down and I and I well, knuckled it through and I got a really great accountability partner and I uh, and I worked really hard. That's not why, man. I'm sorry. I apologize because I think that, that when I listen to other there's other podcasts out there, there's other books that have been written and it just seems like there's this you know, you you got to work really hard, and it's it's very dualistic in its thinking. Like you need to do these things, and if you do X, Y, and Z, then you'll be free. And I and and I agree with that to a certain extent. A lot of this behavior mod stuff, yeah, it'll set you free for a period of time. My focus, my goal, and and some of the friends that I have, and and that's why I have guys like Mark Azule on the podcast. Because the approach of, of a therapist, for example, is to get you to the place where you just don't want to anymore, right? Like, if you have to set some kind of, uh, you know, thing up on your phone to, to set up a fence, and, and not that I'm against those things. Those things can be good for a season, you know, sort of like taking a antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication, or if you have ADHD, these medications can be good for for a season. There's very few people that need to be on them forever. All right, and when it comes to this kind of behavior mod type of stuff, like you having some software on your phone to guard you from your animal lust taking control, you sinful being right I laugh because it's 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 just it's 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 kind of it's tiny consciousness kind of thinking it it, it works at a level of consciousness that is is going to not carry you through the long run the point is what if ask yourself this question what if you could get to the point where you just don't want to anymore it's like it's, it's this visitor and it's not like the visitor is unwanted, all right? That's another thing that I want you to understand that just gets past the behavior mod stuff. This is where we get into relational territory, all right? The, 
like my friend Seth says, the porn industry exists because we demand it. We keep calling on it. When it comes to visit us, we keep inviting it back in to our lives. That's the relational component to this. It's not just, you know, yes, no, black, white. There is, there is three. That's the reality of the Trinitarian God that I believe in very strongly. There is, there is three. And part of this three is this relational component that we, we've been neglecting for hundreds of years had to do with the Enlightenment, had to do with Protestant Reformation, had to do with Roman Catholicism. The reason it's called Roman Catholicism is because Rome is this empire where, where Christian right, teaching became empire. And that's when things started to go askew. That's when the thinking became very much like sport. I hope that makes sense. You have a relationship with this thing, and it keeps calling you back. And you can do the behavior mod stuff for a while, and you may feel like that's working for a little bit, but there's somewhere in your heart that's reaching this connection, and it may have an anthem that sounds something like this. that by the way there's a Spotify playlist for this podcast by the way if you want to search if you're a Spotify user search ASI season 3 that's how long it's been since I <laughs> have been doing this this Spotify uh, thing but a lot of the music that you're going to hear on the podcast is there in that playlist and it, it's not all you know positive right it's it's relational this is art that it, you know art is in the eye of the beholder it touches us and 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 works in our emotions i love what uh what was it c.s lewis that said you know art film story literature uh song it has the tendency to get past our watchful dragons and what i think he meant by that is that, that there's this cognitive kind of again 
you know, dualistic part of us that's always blowing a whistle or throwing a flag, right? And, and, it, and it makes us feel things. That's what art does. And this playlist is like that. Um, this topic we're going to talk about today, Mark and I, and again, I'm, I'm going to apologize up front for the uh, audio. I sat on this conversation for a while because the audio isn't very good. It's, it was over the phone. I was walking around the Bellevue Mall over on the east side here, and it just didn't sound very good. I did it over a conference call thing, and I wish it sounded better. So, But it's a great conversation. And this show is a little like punk rock, all right? It's, it, it's not going to be polished. It's not going to have studio-quality audio. It's just not. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the content that you're going to hear today, though. And speaking of punk rock, one of the, uh, the granddaddy founders of American punk rock, uh, Henry Rollins. This is from the Rollins Band, and it has everything to do with the topic today. So we're going to talk a little bit about codependency and also a phenomenon known as gaslighting and in relationships again where do relationships go askew how can we analyze our abilities in relationships that's what this conversation is about I hope you enjoy it here you go so you think you're going to live your life alone in darkness and seclusion yeah I know You've been out there and tried to mix with the animals And it just left you full of humiliated confusion But the feeling of loneliness never leaves you It haunts you everywhere you go And then, you meet me And your whole world changes Because everything I say is everything you've ever wanted to hear So you drop your defenses And you drop all your fears you're so busy feeling good that you never question why things are going so well. You want to know why? Because I'm a liar. Yeah, I'm a liar. I'll tear your mind out. I'll burn your soul. Mark, as you lay, thanks again for being on the podcast. How are things over there in Colorado, man? I think you're going well. I mean, my um, group psychotherapy society is expanding. My practice is going very well. It's beautiful outside. It's been 80 degrees. Um, things are going really well in Colorado. Spring, spring has sprung here. Yeah, I've got to come visit Colorado one of these days, Mark. Sounds yeah. awesome. Let me know. Let me know. Yeah, will do. We're talking today about codependency and gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that, that addicts, you, you and I both, uh, you know, are, are part of that tribe, and you being in the helping arts and a, uh, a certified psychotherapist and group leader. You're not just a group leader, Mark. You are uh, a leader among leaders, right? Yeah, I uh, lead groups of group leaders. And wow. we, we yeah, educate other group leaders on how to be effective. 
and how they're yeah. uh, treating people. So you do uh, also supervision and and uh, teaching and uh, which is great. I I believe in both. You know, that's what I love about you, Mark. See, I'm a I'm a uh, unprofessional. <laughs> I'm a professional <laughs> unprofessional, right? Like yeah. I just blab into a microphone on the internet, and it's really cool. And, and I'm honored and humbled to have guys like you on the show to to help me <laughs> work some of this stuff out. Because uh, because you, you, you've been trained to this stuff, and you've done the groups, and you've seen – I mean, I've been a participant in groups, and I've seen how groups change people's lives. And when the truth comes out and you see other people, you know, mm-hmm. walking this walk of life and emotional, you know, just together and for the sake of healing and how, how, how awesome that is, right, and how life-giving that is. Uh, mm-hmm. But today we're talking about – you know, not just. I want to talk, touch on relationships too, but also in the group dynamic, as far as, mm-hmm. as codependency goes. Uh, first of all, what is codependency? Yeah, so that's a really good question. It's a good place to start. Uh, what codependency is is you can think of it as a two-way addiction to another person. So you're addicted right. to them; they're addicted to you. And what happens with codependency is it's it's, a, it's an illusion. It's an illusion that another person can meet all of your needs, right? And by needs, I'm talking about, you know, sexual needs, emotional needs, physical needs, um, you know, professional needs. And you put all of that into one person. And what happens is you start to merge with that person and you can often lose the sense of yourself because all you do is you live for this other person. Um, what's interesting about codependency, which I'd like to spend some time talking about, you know, maybe a little bit later, is that codependency is actually kind of fueled by our cultural narrative of this nuclear family hypermonogamous situation um, of kind of like right. the soulmate idea, you know, the idea of like the twin flame, the idea of the one. Um, all these things uh-huh. can very easily turn into codependency because we're not taught to find other people for our emotional needs. In American culture, we're often told that our partner is, our, is the answer, right? It's the answer to yeah. all of our loneliness, all of our pain, all of our suffering. And that's just not true. Uh, we're born, we have this innate need for some kind of, of human connection. But when, when it goes unhealthy, you know, uh, there, this can also be considered, we all want to talk about this as well as the, the analogy that's considered gaslighting. Have you heard of this, Mark? Yes. So what, yeah. what gaslighting is, is it's something that is often used in abusive relationships. And it's when one partner convinces their other partner that they're crazy. Right? So right. this can look like minimizing their experience. This can look like, you know, um, contradicting them. This can look like um, kind of overtly changing behavior or lying. Um, but essentially what it does is it puts the person who is gaslighting um, into a position of power where not only do they control the other person, but they actually control like reality in a way. Um, and the other person yeah. believes that they are um, crazy or that they're, that they're mistaken. Um, and this yeah. can take a variety of forms from, you know, very overt gaslighting um, where, you know, say you two have a fight and then your partner says, oh, we, we never fought about that or we never talked about that. And you're pretty sure that you did, you know, 
But the partner is yeah. refusing, is just lying to you and saying, like, no, you, you must have imagined that. Like, I, I never said this or we never talked about that. Um, that would be a very overt way of gaslighting, but it also occurs subtly. Um, for instance, you know, say you and your partner go out and are talking to a friend and your partner just tells your friend some secrets that you two have, right? Or your partner um, says something about you that's not true uh, and kind of tries to get you colluding in a lie. Um, you know, maybe right. makes up where you were born or makes up what job you have or makes up um, a character trait or makes up a type of food that you like. So all these little subtle manipulations um, are part of the phenomenon of gaslighting. Yeah, and it's also, uh, it's an analogy, it's a metaphor. I guess it comes from a, a stage play back in 1938, and then there was a film in 1944 where a husband is controlling his wife in, in this subtle way of uh, the gas lights. So in the, in the house, you know, in those days, the, the, the lights were gas. Well, you know, it wasn't just your oven that ran on gas, mm -hmm. but you could run your lighting in your house on gas. And the husband would turn down the lights and, and say that he wasn't doing that, right? And his mm -hmm. wife started to go insane because she thought, you know, there's something wrong with me because these lights keep going dimmer and he says, I, you know, I don't know. I, they're not dimmer, you know, right? And, and that's yeah. that emotionally abusive thing that goes on in, a, in, a, in like a gaslit relationship. Uh, yeah. But my, my question was about gaslighting is with addicts, we tend to, we tend to lie, right? Addicts mm -hmm. lie. And that yeah, can be do. a way. So we, we gaslight our, you know, our, our relationships when we continue this kind of, Double life, right? Yeah, so, it, it happens a lot with youth. Um, I mean, the most common is lying about youth itself, right? So say your partner comes home and you're like, oh, no, I haven't drank today, honey, right? But you can smell it on your breath. You know, like maybe there's a beer bottle in the, in the garbage can. Um, it's very clear. But oftentimes, right. addicts, to, to protect our youth habits, we will gaslight our partner um, and actually make it their fault um, or, or try yeah. to make it their fault. Uh, you know, and, and get mad at them for lying and, and, and saying things like, oh, you know, if you don't believe me, I'll just drink anyway, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just finding or, more ways with, to use. Yeah, and with sex addicts, it, it's even worse because one of the things that I've seen with couples, you know, where, where the guy's a sex addict or, or the woman, um, but usually the man, we're, we tend to be better at, at lying. I don't know, for whatever reason, we kind of detach our emotions from it for long periods of time, but their intuition starts to kick in, right? And they start feeling like, yeah, something ain't right, you know? It's not just, not just lipstick on the collar, but, you know, maybe he's password guarded his cell phone or something. And it's just suspicion that pops up. And then, you know, it's like, oh, you don't trust me. That's what it is. That's why I'm untrustworthy. And then, right, so this is, this is a gasping yeah. tactic as well, right? Yes, yeah, that's like, so a very common gaslighting tactic, um, especially for addicts, is that we will often put our addiction on the other person, right? So like, yeah. you, see, you, you see it in sex addiction a lot, right? If, if say, the husband is cheating, um, he'll often be very p protective and possessive of his girlfriend or of his wife, right? So he'll be like, you're cheating on me. You're sleeping around with all kinds of different guys, you know? Like, he'll project his addiction onto her. Yeah, um, yeah. 
And that's, that's gaslighting because you're convincing this other person that they have your problem, right? And that you're actually trying to help them or that you're, you're, you're the sane one, you're the healthy one, and they're the one with the problem. Um, yeah. So you get the saint so and sinner kind of uh, thing going on, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also blaming them for uh, relapses or for use, right? So with sex addiction um, or, say, you know, cheating, blaming your partner for that. You know, if only you, you hear this all the time, right? If only you were a better wife, I wouldn't have to cheat on you, right? You know, yeah. if only yeah. you did this or certain wait. type of sex act, it'd be better, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, if, if only you would do this for me, then I wouldn't have to cheat on you, right? Or if only, you know, you were a better mother. So just continuing to put the problem on the other person. Um, yeah, and that's and abuse, isn't it? That's emotional abuse. Yeah, that, 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 that is the yeah. textbook definition of emotional abuse because it, I mean, it's a lie and it can drive somebody crazy, especially somebody who, you know, is really in love and, you know, perhaps has children and is really invested in their relationship. Um, oftentimes people will go to extreme lengths to stay in a relationship because they're afraid to break up or they're afraid to get a divorce, you know. Um, and yeah, they'll believe, be, over time, believe anything. That was a big part of my story. I was, you know, afraid to be alone because I'd just yeah. destroy myself. <laughs> so I kind of put on my wife this kind of, like, savior thing going on where she and she kind of saved me. And and I was, a, you know, I was a drug addict, and I, I cleaned myself up for a little while, kind of clean and sober. But my wife kind of, you know, she gave me an ultimatum. And and told me, uh, you know, hey, if you're going to continue with this lifestyle, like I love you, but hey, I'm out. Like I can't. I had we had some big party and some friends came over and were, uh, you know, like shooting up in the bathroom, you know. And that was just one of those things. My wife's like, you know, this is not these people. I, you know, I can't I can't be with you if you're going to continue with, with the drug use and and hanging around with these people. And so. You know, just with my own, you know, with my own wife, I kind of put her as is, and that's more a codependency kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Expecting her to save me, or or right. lighting her like, hey, you saved me. <laughs> now I'm your responsibility. Yeah, that's that. That's more of a codependency strategy where you are putting everything into her, right? She is your reason for living. Um, and on the other end, like, she might have gotten a lot out of that, right? A lot of people, it feels good to be somewhere to region to live. You know, there's part of yeah. it of, like, you know, ego boosting that comes from that. So codependency actually goes both ways. So that's, that's the thing with, yeah. so gaslighting is, like, one way. Gaslighting is uh-huh. kind of a manipulation tactic. Where codependency, both people are kind of in this enmeshed relationship. One of the, because I was going to touch on that as well, because it seems also with addicts that in, in a relationship, um, an addict can be gaslit by their partner. Um, when they start in recovery, for example, uh, you know, you're going to go to that group thing, right? And, and sometimes it can go that way as well, right? Was, when somebody is seeking healing and the other partner is not, I mean, in most cases, they're, they're pretty excited about that. But in some cases, you know, that can go the other way, right? Yeah, I mean, I think something to look out for, you know, when talking about things like this and just in general is nothing is black and white, right? There's never like a good versus evil story, right? There's never somebody who's healed and somebody who needs healing. You know, there's never somebody who is sane and someone who is crazy. When these types of like dichotomies and dialectics get brought up, 
you're in gaslighting territory because right. nobody is nobody is fully healthy, right? Um, right. That's and true. No, nobody yeah. nobody's the hero. Nobody's the hero yeah. and nobody's the victim. But yeah. when these roles start to play out, then you can you get gaslighting or you or you get um, you know codependency because you know I kind of wish it was in some ways, but the world is not that simple, right? Like the world is yeah. not a storybook. So it's very, yeah, you know, like heroes don't exist. You know, villains don't exist. Like everything is like really, really complicated. Um, and once yeah. that complexity gets minimized into kind of archetypal roles, then things like gaslighting can happen because all of a sudden you're not relating to the person, you're relating to a story. You know, you're relating to your right. idea of them, your, your fantasy. Um, and oftentimes you miss the, the human element. <laughs> you know, you miss that kind of messy part. We, you know, we try and put everything in a box, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes us feel better. You know, if I can label yeah. – even labeling someone is kind of a gaslighting thing, right? Like, you are this, so you do that. And, you know, you, you start to question your own ability to just be in the world, right? Right, right. And, like, what happens with labels is, I mean, they're helpful. You know, as a psychotherapist, uh, like, we use yeah. them all the time. We use diagnoses all the time. But what happens is, especially in a relationship, if they get thrown around too often, what happens is the person, they don't become the label, but they start hiding the parts of you that aren't the label, right? So yeah. you see this a lot with people who are hero worship, right? You know, and this happens in, in ad relationships where your partner comes in and they save you, and they're like the best person and the best thing for you, and they're a big part of your recovery. Well, that sounds really good, but what you've done by really praising that person is you've made it unsafe for them to express their needs or when they need you to be a hero, you know, or when they say yeah. they feel weak or they feel confused or they feel insecure. Um, and over time, that builds resentment, right? And over time, that, that, yeah. separates, that creates separation in the relationship, that creates secrets, that creates, you know, unsafe parts in the relationship, which will erode it eventually, you know? Um, so it's, it's a constant work to see people as they are. Every day, you know, every day it's a constant, a constant piece of work yeah. to reconnect with the person you decided to partner with. Yeah, and that's a that's a key word, connection, because that's a big part of um, of addiction as well. I was listening to this guy, a uh, neuroscientist named Peter Cohen, uh, who said that you know human beings, like he he he's talking about throwing out the word addiction altogether and using the words connection or bonding, because you know, when we emotionally connect to, when we can't do that as human beings, when we can't emotionally connect, like with another person, for example, we tend to turn to chemicals or, mm-hmm. you know, binging on Netflix or carbohydrates, right? And then we create these bonds that go beyond our own will to break them. Uh, so with these, when, when our relationships, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but it seems like when our relationships get healthier, the addictive stuff starts to take care of itself, right? Yes. I mean, I, I would agree with that, with that guest. Um, he's talking about a theory called addiction as an attachment disorder. It was pioneered yeah. by Dr. Phil Flores, um, and, and he, he's the guy who invented that. So, yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, when people get more connected, their addictions fall away um, because they actually have yeah. reason. They, they have a purpose to live. They have um, a community. Um, they, they don't, their needs are met 
by a diverse amount of sources, right? Like the idea with addiction and codependency is an addiction is that you're trying to meet all of your needs with one thing, right? Yeah. You know, be it a drug, be it a person, be it sex, you know, be it power, gambling, whatever, right? Like you're trying to get everything met by one thing, which is just totally unreasonable. But yeah. what we do is we just try to push that harder, harder, harder because part of our mind thinks it can work, um, but it can't. So in order to be, you know, move towards health, needs need to be met across spectrum. So, you know, multiple social circles, right? Strong family, yeah. exercise, you know, diet, spiritual practice, um, you know, emotional outlets, uh, creative expression, like actually creating a life worth living, you know, really yeah. creating like a full life. That's, that's the cure. And people like to hear that <laughs> because it's hard. It's hard to do that, you know? It's hard yeah, to really yeah. craft a life. Um, it's it easy to come home time. and watch TV every day. Yeah, it is, yeah. And just hang out with your wife. I think that's a, yeah. a big part of why, you know, pornography addiction uh, for example, it's so rampant. It's all over the world, but here in the states, especially because a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't have friends, you know, because it's it's somehow connecting a piece that we're missing, and I believe that's one of those pieces. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. Like, it creates the illusion of intimacy, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And it was interesting. I was reading this article on porn addiction. I have a few clients that are working with it. And they were, they were dissecting, so they were, they were looking at porn addicts, right? And they were looking at what part of a um, porn they, they watch, right? Like, uh-huh. And the yeah. hypothesis is that they just skip around and they go for the climax, right? They go for penetration. They go for, you know, like the orgasm, right? Yeah. But what they found, and this is really interesting, and it speaks directly to your point, is that the deeper someone's a porn addiction, right, the more someone identified as an addict or the longer they've been doing this behavior, they actually watched the beginning of the porn movie, right? Where it's like just the girl talking, right? Or like the random scenario that like leads to sex, you know? Like yeah, they, wanted, yeah. they wanted the conversation piece, right? They wanted to feel connected to the actress or actor um, before they masturbated, you know? They weren't yeah. just trying to get off. They were going for that connection piece. And I found that really fascinating. Um, and I think yeah. it speaks exactly to, to, to what you're talking about, is they want that, that stimulation of a friend, you know, or a lover. Someone who they, they feel they, they know. I heard um, a guest I just had on recently, uh, a guy named Jay Stringer. He's also a counselor here in the Seattle area. And he was talking about uh, this website, major pornography website here in the States, has started releasing like research data, which is interesting for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one of the things they talked about is, is some of the, the most um, searched, you know, keyword searches on this porn site are like stepmother, mm-hmm. um, stepsister, uh, you know, these, these kind of family-oriented things, which I, which I also find really interesting, right? Like we're, yeah. we're looking for caretaking or connection or, you know, someone we see every day or something like that. Uh, it's another fascinating thing. Another thing they, they released recently was that women, uh, and this is something I've seen um, recently too, is, is the spike in women who uh, are addicted to pornography as well. Mm-hmm. And they said that actually more women 
use uh, view pornography on their mobile devices than men. Now, most pornography is consumed oh. by men, but it's, it's interesting that most women would rather view that material via their phone or tablet. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where they're viewing it. Uh, I find I find that interesting. Um, yeah. I think people really do. I mean, they're, they're so. I mean, we're so lonely, right? I mean, I think we actually talked about yeah. this in our last podcast, but just how hyper connected we are, and how lonely we are, right? How people yeah. know us. Like, we can go on Facebook and look at our, you know, thousands of friends and see, you know, smiling faces and see people's dogs and see what they ate for dinner. But none of that seems to matter, right? None of that seems yeah. to matter because addiction's on the rise, you know, like, you know, unhealthy porn use is on the rise. Um, unhealthy relationship is on the rise. Domestic violence is on the rise, right? Like all these yeah. things that are connected to other people and that are connected to communities are, are going up, right? And it's, it's, yeah. it's epidemic. You know, it's really, it's an epidemic. Um, and it's wild because, we should be more connected than ever, and yet we're really not. Yeah, on that heart level, yeah, we're not. We're we're connected on the surface. You know, we're what's the old saying? We're a mile wide and two inches deep, right? Yeah, so our connections yeah. are spread out. I w I did a yeah. Facebook fast recently, and I'm still I turn off notifications on Facebook now on my phone, um, but I I found myself getting really distracted by it. I, I watched a TED talk by a guy who's talking about ADHD and executive function and how it's, it's diminishing, you know, a lot of the social media is diminishing our ability to concentrate. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to uh, delete it from my phone for, for a while. So for three weeks, I was not on Facebook at all, phone, computer. I did, uh, so there's a, there's a Facebook group for this podcast that I did do some posting on because it's like research stuff and stuff like that. But but my mm -hmm. personal Facebook page, I just turned it off, Mark. I, I didn't even touch it for three weeks. Yeah. And right. the funny thing was when I came back to it, my friends didn't even notice. <laughs> Very few of them even noticed that I was gone for three weeks off of Facebook, mm -hmm. you know? Well, yeah, because it's, I mean, just like pornography, it, it's a simulation, right? It's a really good simulation, but it's a simulation of a community. It's not, it's not a true community. Yeah, it's just like a game. What is okay. what, what what is true community, Mark? What would you how would you classify that? What, yeah, that's a really good question. So I actually do a lot of uh, quite a bit of writing and, and speaking on this, you know, as for my group society. And the idea with a therapy group is to move it through these different phases and to move it uh -huh. through true community, right? Move it into community. Um, so I won't bore you with, with all the phases. I'll talk about the first phase and the last phase, right? So the okay. first phase is something called pseudo-community, right? Fake community. And this is like what uh -huh. Facebook is in some ways. Um, what pseudo-community is, is like when you first start a group, right, especially if it's something about like a, you know, a evocative topic like addiction um, or grief, you'll see that everybody's on the same side, right? Everybody's like, oh, my God, I love you. No one's ever understood me like you have. Everything's great. Yeah. Like they're bonding. Like it's happened so fast, like scary fast. Right, all of a sudden people are like in it and they love it, and a lot of group leaders actually stay in pseudo community forever because they they think that they've done it. They, they think that they're the best therapists in the world, right? Yeah. And really, it's that people are just trying to fit in, you know. <laughs> so they're going to say yeah. whatever yeah. they want. Yeah, exactly. And and and, and they're trying to fit in, and oftentimes they're very hungry, they're very lonely, so they're happy that they're getting something. Uh, but that's not true community, right? right? 
if everybody has the same idea and everyone is happy, it's actually not community. So you go through a bunch of phases and what you know, group therapy says about community is, and this is the most important part, is that it has room for difference, right? It has room yeah, for difference. Yeah. People, like if you're in a true community, say you're in a church community, as an example, you know, in America, there are people in that church community who you hate, right? Who you can't fucking yeah. stand. But guess what? Yeah. You guys both show up every Sunday, right? That's right. Like, that's community, actually, right? So, like, yeah. actually yeah. having room for difference, understanding each other, um, having the sense of communal relationship, which essentially means um, – communal relationship means that people in the community are willing to give what they have to the community. Um, yeah. And it's not about who gives more. It's not about, like, exchange or, or trade. It's like – hey, like, I'm the community carpenter. So, like, if you need help, call me up, right? Or I'm the plumber. If you need help, call me up. I'm the therapist. Call me yeah. up. So everybody is contributing what they can, and it is understanding that, you know, it's, it's not about, like, keeping it even, right? It's about, like, everybody contributing and making the community better. So Yeah, like, um, a, like a perma, permaculture, right? Permaculture, exactly. That's a very good example. It's like an yeah. awesome example of that, right? Where people are like, like, it doesn't matter if the elder can only plant five trees, you know, like she put in enough time and she's offering her wisdom. Um, it's about like people finding their roles and feeling connected. So yeah. that's, those are the things that, that that's important. And that's like really hard to find and to develop. And the way to get there is actually through a ton of conflict, right? It's through a process yeah. called rupture and, and repair where you have a disagreement or you hurt each other, but you come back together, you know? And yeah. to bring it back around to codependency, one form of codependency is that pseudo community, right? If you see a couple that's like, we never fight, right? Or a couple that is right. just like too into each other, then they're stuck in that first phase, you know? Like in order to develop a true relationship, there has to be conflict. There has to be times where you want to kill each other. There has to be times where you're yeah, really hurt. Right. And yeah. then repair, right? And then repair, you know, and like commitment isn't like I'm going to be with you forever, right? Commitment isn't like you're going to be my everything. Commitment is I am committing to coming back into relationship with you like at least one more time, right? Like no matter yeah. what happens, I'm going to come back at least once <laughs> and just give it a shot. Um, yeah. That's what, that's what healthy commitment looks like because ruptures are going to happen because we're humans and we're messy and, you know, life is hard. Yeah, that's that's really good. That's yeah. Um, with gaslighting, having a very transactional relationship is very common, right? So things like you know, you did this, so I'm going to do that, right? Those types of sentence phrases can be abusive. Yeah, actually, right? Where right. And you see all the time people are like, I did X, Y, and Z for you. You owe me this, you know? Right. Um, that's this idea of really like forcefully ejecting your version of reality onto somebody, right? And like making like a point system, right? Whenever a relationship becomes sort of like a game in that way, it can be right for gaslighting because one person's often making the rules and the person has to right. follow them. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I wanted to, to end the show on this. Uh, a couple of things. As, a, as, as a, a critic, my inner critic or cynic, you know, there's the, the person who's ready to write the email out there who's going um, – and this is something I used to say too, Mark. Isn't there some, like, if, if you're totally not codependent in your relationship with a spouse or a lover, for example, right, 
isn't there something wrong with that? Like, shouldn't you be like a little bit <laughs> wanting to get some, some kind of dependency on them? I think that there is a level of dependency, but the important thing is consent, right? So the important thing yeah. is discussing it, understanding roles, understanding what you're doing for each other, right? Like, especially, you know, as long-term relationships happen, you know, if marriage happens, um, you're going to have roles, right? One person's going to do this, one person's going to do that. You can be dependent on people to do their roles. But again, consent yeah. is the important piece, right? It has to be talked about, discussed, that to feel fair for both people, has to be open for negotiation. So dependency is, is okay as long as it's brought to the surface and it's not like put onto somebody, right? What yeah. codependency is, is it's this like uh, very unconscious like attack, you know? It's a very unconscious like set of assumptions that one partner puts on the other. Um, and right. essentially the partner is like, I didn't sign up for this, right? Like I'm not going to cure you, right? Like I'm not going to like... Yeah solve your loneliness, right? Like, we didn't talk about yeah. this, you know? And then it, that's when it becomes a problem. But, yeah, I mean, I, roles are totally fine, you know, as long as they're talked about. And yeah, a lot of times we're doing these things, even gaslighting, you know, I, I gaslit my wife as an addict and I didn't even realize I was doing it. It just, it, it was just my natural, I just thought this is how, this is who I was. I was a liar, you know? This is what I do. And become when we become aware of that, yeah, we start to grow out of of codependency, and that and that's scary for some people, isn't it, Mark? Because you know you start to walk by yourself, and you're afraid that you know are they gonna be that's one of those fears that pops up, right? Yeah, it's really scary, you know, because what happens is again, this is like this is the American narrative, which is like you're gonna find the one, and you're gonna find your better half, and the person that completes yeah. you. Right, so to challenge yeah. that, for one, it's hard because every yeah. Disney movie you've watched as a child told you that that's what love is, right? So just yeah. to challenge the cultural message for to start is really hard, you know. But then, secondly, yeah. you when you detach and healthy detach, like you don't have to like leave that person. When you like start to create some space, what happens often is you realize how empty the rest of your life is, and that's painful. Yeah, that's really yeah. painful. Like to be like, oh shit, like I don't have any friends, <laughs> you know, or like I don't have any interest, you know, or I'm really out of shape, or maybe I'm an yeah. addict, right? You have to like look at a bunch of different things that this codependency cocoon has shielded you from. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard work, but it's work well worth doing because on the other yeah. end of that, after a lot of suffering and a lot of trial and tribulation, is a life worth living, you know, is a full life, um, a full, yeah. buried, and healthy life. Yeah, and that's that's so true. Very cool. And thanks again, Mark. One one last thing uh, for the listener who may be realizing they're in a, a codependent relationship or they may be gaslit or gaslighting, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what, what would you say would be a, a good first first step for that person to use that word yeah so it matters the severity so for those listening if you're relating to a lot of it especially when we've used the words like abuse i highly suggest or recommend that you either call the police make a domestic violence claim or go to a a shelter Um, because some of these situations that are very severe you need to get out and i know maybe scary but talking to a counselor talking to a specialist 
will help you to determine if you're in an abusive situation, and if you are, there are tons of resources available to help you get out and be protected and start a new life. So if it's severe, get out, get help. People will find you. There's tons of hotlines. Um, yeah. If it's not so severe or if you think you may be per- perpetrating it, um, go see a therapist. You know, go see someone who specializes in relationships, um, specializes yeah. in addictions. Um, the website Psychology Today has a great psychotherapist profile um, or psychotherapist directory. You can search different profiles, find someone who you like. Um, I'm biased because I'm in the biz, but I think therapy is always worth it um, just to explore yeah. who you are and to grow and develop. So I, I'd recommend doing some work around it. Uh, it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you're gaslighting. You probably have a very good reason for doing it. Um, you're probably trying to protect something very vulnerable and safe. And the challenge, if you want to take it, is to grow, you know, yeah. to deepen. And that's, and that's always worth it. Also, I would, I would add that uh, the money issue – that's one good thing about, you know, my financial situation hasn't been the best. And it, since Obamacare passed, um, I was able to, to see a professional therapist, which was, was really good um, for me. And it, it didn't cost me a ton of money. But it was one of my biggest fears. I just can't afford it. Some of the biggest excuses that I used for years. I, I went to Christian counselors, and some of them were good. Um, but it's not the same. <laughs> some of this... And, you know, and not all therapists are, are, I mean, you might have to go through a few. It's going to take some work to find the one that, you know, you're going to mesh with. But yeah, it, you're right, man. It's, it is so worth it. Yeah, it's worth yeah, it. And, and you know, finances are a problem. Like, there are tons of groups out there that offer reduced rates. There's also CODA, which is Codependence Anonymous. It's in part of the Alcoholics Anonymous type tree. Um, and that, those are free. Um, um, so right. code is a good option. Al-Anon as um, well. Al-Anon, Al-Anon another great option. Yeah. All right, Mark. Thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And there goes Mark Azulay, mark-azulay.com. bumper from the band Gaslight Anthem. ASI247.org is the website for this here podcast. Again, if you want to check out Mark and uh, his stuff, uh, get in touch with Mark Azule, my, my guest here today. Check out his website at marc A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y Dot com. So that's, let me repeat that. M-A-R-C-A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y 
Facebook.com, Mark Azulay. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to leave a donation, if you believe in this kind of message and want to keep it out there floating in the world, um, go to ASI247.org, become a co-producer. And this here podcast is still a big passion of mine, you know, the the struggles that I've had in the past and that that I've come through some of that in, in, a, in a way that is more freeing than I, I thought it would be. And I, I just want to, I want to see more people um, heal, all right? Not feel like you're imprisoned to this thing because you don't have to be. Uh, I want to do more podcasts like this one. So, it's another thing. Uh, If you'd like to help co-produce some of those, again, ASI247.org. Click on the the Give area. And there's also, if it's weird that there's other places to give on that website, that's kind of a a thing I've been doing for a while. Like, if you think I'm some Christian shyster who's after your wallet, then don't give to me. Like, there's other places to give on there, but that's part of this idea of this kind of inside-out relational living, that what you do with your money matters, that what you do with your money is getting outside of yourself, it's, it's your life energy coming out of you, and when you are generous, right, because ego, your ego, big parts, chunks of it, alter ego parts of yourself that make excuses for why you don't give, and it keeps us stuck, all right, it's a habit kind of a thing, it's a relational habit of kind of, you know, uh, stinginess, you know, and that stinginess thing has a lot to do with sexuality and relationship. So, again, if you think I'm a Christian shyster, don't give to me, but exercise the muscle of generosity. I, I do believe that that's important, but uh, I, I hope you would choose to give to this podcast so I can make more make more podcasts like this one. So I'm just throwing that out there. But that's my point. That's why you'll see that if that seems strange, all right, to solve some of that uh, dissonance there. And I felt compelled to end this podcast with this. Uh, The opposite of gaslighting is encouragement, right? It's being your partner's cheerleader. It's loving them. It's asking questions that get underneath the, the, the ego or the fear, right? It's being open-handed in relationship and in communication and in forgiveness and in conflict resolution. It's getting down to that spirit part of you, that, that kid part of you, the part of you that's full of wonder and, um, I don't know, going for a walk just spending time in their presence, being present with another without having something to do or even something to talk about. I think it's that kind of thing that that we're after. And, man, I, I kept trying to control, you know, my relationships, my, my life, you know, the outside circumstances, just constantly spinning plates. And it, it took a while to realize that it was inside me that I needed the work. This song touches on that. I'm going to leave you with this uh, bumper by Joe Walsh. I love this tune. It's called One Day at a Time. I can honestly say that for me, uh, 
today I live my life in 24-hour increments, and it's going pretty well. Like that, just like that. 24 hours at a time, baby. Till next time, love you guys. Bye. Well, I